We have got two readings today. The first one is from Micah chapter 3, which is verse 9 to 12. And then we're going to go forward to the New Testament, Matthew 23, starting at verse 1 to 13. And then we're going to skip to 23 to 29. So let's start in Micah chapter 3, starting at verse 9. Hear this, you leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be ploughed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill a mound, overgrown with thickets. Flipping forward to Matthew, chapter 23, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus (coughs) said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. And then jumping down to verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practised the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous."
one thing I uh, forgot to mention just before is um, with the air conditioning, it's, it's great for when it's hot, but also for ventilation with COVID. But it means this side can get quite cold. Apparently, the air conditioning on that side doesn't work. So if you're hot, feel free at any point to uh, transfer that way. And if you're cold, feel free at any point to transfer that way. And I think if you're in the middle, you're probably just right. So good job there. <laughs> well, we're getting toward the end of Matthew's account of Jesus' life. And we're seeing things are getting pretty heated pretty fast. In chapter 21, Jesus enters Jerusalem last week with a, a crowd lining the streets, laying their clothes down on the road to welcome him and singing songs as, as they wave branches. They're, they're welcoming a king. The whole city is stirred up by this commotion. And so what does Jesus do? Well, last week you saw he doesn't calm things down. He goes straight to the temple and he clears it out. He drives out the people who are there just to make a profit off the others. It's like he owns the joint. It's a, it's a controversial kind of thing to do. And the leaders there are not at all impressed. And so they question his authority to do what he's doing. And, and they push him really hard. And even though Jesus is, is right there in the heartland of their power, he doesn't back off. He escalates things. He escalates things even further. In fact, do you remember last week? He questions their authority. These people, they think they're the experts on God. They think they're the, the key people in the kingdom of God. But Jesus says to them in, in chapter 21, verse 31, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. The tax collectors. And the prostitutes have got a better handle on God's kingdom than these religious leaders. That's got a sting, surely. And then Jesus escalates things even further. Because he tells them through a parable that not only have they got things wrong about God's kingdom, but they're just about to lose their place in God's kingdom completely. In their pride, they, they refuse to see who Jesus is and, and they try to stop other people from seeing who Jesus is. And so Jesus says they're about to face God's judgment for their rebellion against him. And again, unsurprisingly, they don't like what he's saying. And so last week you saw they start looking for a way to arrest him. And initially they, they start trying to find a way to arrest him by trapping him in his own words. But they failed miserably. And in fact, they end up just standing there before him, silent unable to even answer him at all with nothing to say and that's where things ended last week at the end of round one of this battle the leaders have failed to trap jesus they've failed to be able to even answer him and then just before jesus leaves the temple just before he leaves them he turns to the crowd and he turns to his disciples there in in the temple and he gives them two very serious warnings one is a warning for his followers and the other is a warning for the teachers of the law and the pharisees who were there listening in fuming no doubt we're going to look at at these two warnings today and we see the the first warning in the first 12 verses and basically jesus says to us don't follow those who exalt themselves 
follow his example by serving others don't follow those who would exalt themselves follow jesus example by serving others that's the warning pick it up with me in in verse 2 where jesus says to his followers the teachers of the law and and the pharisees sit in moses seat so you must be careful to do everything they tell you and jesus issue is not with people sitting in moses seat his issue is not with people teaching god's word with clarity with with passion even with conviction that that's not the problem we see what the problem is next when jesus says you must be careful to do everything they tell you but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach jesus warning is, is to be careful who you copy be careful not to copy people who don't practice what they preach because if you copy them you'll end up just like them don't you reckon it would be easy if you could just go bad person therefore bad message but it doesn't always work that way it'd be even better if you could just go good message therefore good person but unfortunately it doesn't always work that way either jesus He's warning his followers that the, the truth of the message and the, the genuineness of someone's life, it doesn't always go together. Just because someone has a good message, that doesn't mean that they're an example worth following. Did you notice what these teachers of the law and the, and the Pharisees were like? They're actually a lot like modern religious leaders and modern spiritual kind of teachers and life coaches. They love to have something to say, some, some wisdom to impart for your life, some instruction. But what it all amounts to in the end is a, a crushing burden that they're happy enough to load you up with, but they're completely unable to help you carry. And their motivation is appearance. It's their own self-importance. Jesus' warning is not to follow these people. We shouldn't let these people shape our lives. We shouldn't be like them because the way things work in his kingdom is completely different. Look at how things work in Jesus' kingdom in verse 8. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor the Messiah. The way things work for followers of Jesus is that we all stand on completely level ground. Not one of us is is more important than anyone else. We shouldn't be like the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees trying to set ourselves up as some kind of spiritual authority, some sort of spiritual superior. We're all in the same boat. We're all of the one class, all completely equal. Male, female, adult, child, new Christian, old Christian, pastor, church member. The kingdom of God is it's radically egalitarian. Far more egalitarian than our Australian society, more egalitarian than any society on earth. And yet, did you notice with what Jesus is saying, at the same time, The kingdom of God is actually radically hierarchical as well. We're all on the the same ground 
because we're all actually students with one teacher and instructor above us, with one Father in heaven. We're radically equal because we see that the only hierarchy that matters is Jesus. We don't need spiritual guides or mentors or spiritual fathers or mothers. We need Jesus and we need only Jesus. And why would we want anyone else? Do you see what spiritual leaders are like in verse 4? They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. But do you see what Jesus is like? Do you remember back to Matthew, 8, uh, Matthew 11, 28? He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He's so different. Jesus doesn't crush us with burdens that we can't carry. He takes our burdens onto himself and gives us rest. Look at what spiritual leaders are like in verse 5. Everything they do is done for people to see. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But what is Jesus like? In Matthew 11, verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Our teacher, our instructor, even though he, he stands at the center of all things, even though he really is worthy of all honor, respect, and importance, his example is not self-promotion, but gentleness and genuine humility. And even though he's so clearly high above us, he stoops down to us to serve us. Do you see how you can heed Jesus' warning to you here? To be careful who you copy. Well, there's a powerful way. See that you have only one teacher, Jesus. And see that you have no need for any other teacher, we heed his warning by copying him alone. Because the thing is, even though we're all on the same level in this kingdom, in his kingdom, look at what Jesus teaches us in verse 11. He says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. In this kingdom, instead of fighting each other to, to raise ourselves above each other, in this kingdom, instead of even fighting to be seen as an equal, in this kingdom, Jesus shows us that we fight to lower ourselves and be each other's servants. We stand on, on level ground, if you like, but he then calls us to kneel and wash each other's feet. And if we see that, that Jesus is the only instructor that we need, if we see that he leads us to serve others, not ourselves, then we'll heed this warning that he's giving us here. We won't follow the example of those who don't practice what they preach. We won't be those who don't practice what they preach. We won't allow anyone other than Jesus to be our spiritual teacher. And we won't try to be anyone's spiritual teacher either. Because we'll see that all we need and all they need is Jesus. 
And just before we move on to Jesus' warning to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, what is this, what's he saying to us today? What does this say to us today? Well, it means that where we have any role in our church here, like pastor or preacher or community group leader or leadership team member, whatever the role, there can be no difference in the status for those who have those roles. Even between kids and their leaders, they're actually equal as brothers and sisters in God's kingdom. Even if you have kids, even with your kids at home, how do you teach them about spiritual things? Well, we do it as their brothers and sisters, which means that what matters in everything that we do as a church is that we point people to listen to Jesus as our teacher. Everything that we do should say, look at Jesus. Don't look at me. Now, I hope that's what Mark, Mark Curran and I do. And more than that, I hope that's all that we do. You know, a pastor's job is, is not to be someone's life coach or to be their spiritual guide or to help them live their best life now. A pastor's job is, is not to give good parenting advice or work advice. A pastor's job is not even to give spiritual wisdom or spiritual guidance. A pastor's job is to point you to Jesus as the only teacher you will ever need. This means when we're preaching, Mark and I, or speaking to you, you shouldn't just accept what you hear us saying. I I hope we never have a church culture like that. You should always make sure that you're weighing up what what you're hearing from us to see if, if what we're saying points you to listen to Jesus or not. You know, the, the aim of a good preacher is always to get you to forget about them and forget about their opinion and to focus only on Jesus. And that's the same for a good community group leader and for a good parent as well. Our, our job is like one sibling encouraging another sibling to let Jesus be the one and only teacher that they need in spiritual things. How are we going as a church at this? Are we standing on level ground? Every one of us looking up only to Jesus and so humbly serving each other? Or do we have our own kind of ways, some of them subtle, where we try and raise ourselves above each other? Now you can see that already what Jesus was saying there in the temple with the crowds and his disciples and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees listening in, you can see that would have been quite confrontational already. But at this point, things get really serious because Jesus gives gives them a very serious warning. And basically, his warning is that they're so focused on themselves, they're missing what matters. These leaders are so focused on themselves, they're missing what really matters. And most serious of all, they're missing that Jesus is their only hope to escape God's condemnation. Look at verse 13. Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Seven times he says, woe to them. Six times he he calls them hypocrites. And then in the end, he tops it all off by calling them snakes. He'll be condemned to hell. You know, this is really serious stuff. This is stuff that, that Jesus really hates. 
And so we're going to spend a, a few minutes just looking at what it is that, that Jesus is speaking against here. But just before we do that, how should we be hearing this? You know, should we be hearing this comparing ourselves to the Pharisees? Should we be doing a, a kind of stock take of ourselves and, and asking, you know, if we're the Pharisees, uh, should, should we be seeing if Jesus is saying to us, woe to you? You know, that's sometimes what Christians do. But that's not why Jesus gathered the crowd and his disciples so that they'd weigh up if they were a Pharisee or not. He gathers them to show them why the Pharisees are just not worth it, why they're not worth following. He does it to show them that he's going to lead them on a completely different path. Now, the Pharisees for us today might be church leaders, but actually they they could be any spiritual leader any person who's a blind guide, a hypocrite, who claims to lead people closer to a true spirituality, but actually in the end leads them away from their only hope, Jesus. What we're supposed to do with this warning that that we're about to see is we're supposed to follow Jesus in hating what he hates. What we're supposed to do is thank God that Jesus is a leader, a, a king who is nothing like these hypocrites. Have you ever been burnt by a a self-seeking leader? Maybe a pastor, maybe a parent, maybe a partner even. If you've ever experienced someone like that, then you know what a relief it is to escape them. You know what a relief it is to experience someone who is authentic, genuine and real who cares about other people and not simply about themselves. And that person is Jesus. What we see in Jesus' warning to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees is that their obsession with themselves, it means that they miss five things that really matter. We're very quickly going to look at these five things. And you'll notice that self-obsessed leaders today still miss these five things. Have a look at them. In the the first two woes, we see they miss that people's salvation matters. So look at verse 13. Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. They look like they care for people. They look like they even care about people's salvation, we see in the next woe. But in the end, what they convert people to is just themselves, not to God. These kind of leaders, they want groupies for themselves. Now, in many ways, spiritual leaders are still like this today. They seem to care about people. They promote a a spirituality that's winsome. But in the end, it, it slams the door in people's faces to salvation because it tells them they can be saved by someone other than Jesus, something other than Jesus. They can be spiritual without him. They can take a different path. But God hates that kind of spirituality and that kind of leadership because it leads people to hell. Whether it's new age spirituality or a kind of watered down Christianity or a kind of religious rules based kind of Christianity, it's toxic. And it's just so unlike Jesus who moves heaven and hell to save people. Because for him, 
people being saved is what really matters. The next woe shows the self-obsessed leaders miss that the truth matters. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, Woe to you blind guides who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. Do you see what these people are like? Truth is is something to be manipulated. What matters for them is not straightforward honesty, but playing the system. They don't care about the truth. They care in the end about getting what they want. Have you ever known a leader like that? You thought you knew where you stood, but, but suddenly everything shifts. The rules change. Jesus hates that. He hates that way of leading that's all about manipulating the truth and the rules for their own gain and power. And again, it's, it's completely unlike Jesus, who loves the truth and always speaks it. You know, Jesus is a leader who always tells you clearly where you stand with him. We might not always like what he says, but we can know that he will always tell us the truth. Because for him, the truth is what really matters. The third woe shows that self-obsessed leaders, they miss that justice, mercy and faithfulness are what matters. Look at verse 23. Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. These sorts of leaders, they care more about their club's rules than than they do about people. They don't care about the purpose of the rules, justice and mercy and faithfulness. They just care about being seen to keep the rules. They've got all their priorities out of balance and People get crushed in the process and they think that's perfectly acceptable. But Jesus hates that kind of evil. And again, it's completely unlike him. He cares about justice for people, mercy for them, faithfulness to them. And we see it at every step in Jesus' life. He eats with tax collectors and Pharisees, sorry, and prostitutes. And when he does that, he doesn't do it so that he can profit from their greed or use them for his pleasure. He does it because what really matters to him is people and not appearances. The next woes show that self-obsessed leaders miss that God is the only audience that matters. Look at verse 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but in the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. As we've seen already, it's all about appearances for these leaders. But with Jesus, what you see is what you get. What really matters for him is being genuine and authentic before God. And finally, self-obsessed leaders miss that true allegiance to God and and not virtue signaling is what matters. Look at verse 29. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. These people, they know the things to do that make them look like they're on the right side. And probably they convince themselves that they are. 
But in the end, where's their allegiance? It's not with God. It's with themselves. And if someone challenges their authority, what are they like? They're ruthless, without mercy. And again, they're completely unlike Jesus. Because Jesus, even as he declares to these people that they face God's anger, he doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't do this coldly. Look at verse 37. Jesus finishes by telling them what he actually really wants. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you are not willing. Jesus speaks as one whose heart is breaking for these people and the people they lead. He's angry at their hypocrisy, but he's also deeply saddened. His desire is not to condemn them, but to comfort them, to heal them, and to gather them in. But they're not willing. They just don't want him. And in the end, this is their greatest problem. They might be religious leaders, but they need Jesus just as much as every single one of us needs him. But they refuse to come to him. And they even stop others coming to him too. Why are they so stubborn and blind? Why won't they see Jesus for who he really is? You know, why would they choose hell over Jesus? Why would any of us choose hell over Jesus? Well, it's got to be at least in part because it's hard to think of yourself as a chick, don't you think? Needing to hide under the wings of someone else. It's hard to humble ourselves even though if we don't humble ourselves, God will humble us. Don't you find it just a little bit jarring, this this image that Jesus uses here of of a chicken with chicks? You know, wouldn't it be easier to gather to his side if he said he was like a lion roaring, gathering other lion warriors to his side? Surely that would be a better rallying point. Or at least, couldn't he have said that he's like an eagle spreading his wings out over his people? But a chicken, honestly, that's jarring, isn't it? Like a chicken calling its chicks to hide under its wings. Who wants to be a chick seeking refuge under a chicken's wings? How humbling is that? But don't you think this is the perfect picture for leaders who care only about themselves and care only about their appearances? Don't you think this is the perfect picture for us? Are we willing to come to Jesus like this? You know, in in plenty of places in the Bible... Our God is described like a lion roaring. It's not that he's not like that. But Jesus' glory and his strength, you know, it's not at all cancelled out by this image. Not at all. Because his glory and his strength is shown in his humility and in that intense love and compassion that he has for his people. And unless we humble ourselves... And see that we really do need to hide under that strength 
that compassion, then just like the self-obsessed leaders that Jesus condemns, we are turning our backs on the only hope that we have. We need Him. We need only Him. doesn't matter how religious we are or how good we are. Without Him, we face God's judgment and hell just as much as these Pharisees. But with Him, under His wings, we will never face God's judgment. And with Him, we have the one and only instructor and teacher that we need for this life. The only instructor we'll ever need. A king different to every other kind of leader. A king so different to these religious hypocrites that we've been reading about. Different to all religious hypocrites and self-seeking people. A king who actually lays down his life for his people. And so when he says to you, you need him. He's worth listening to. Let me pray. Father, open our eyes and our hearts to see just how much we really are like little chicks needing Jesus. Lord, break the pride in our hearts and our minds that leads us to turn our back on Jesus our only hope. As if our lives are better, as if we have better teachers or could be better teachers than Him. Lord, help us to see that we desperately need Jesus and without Him our lives are a mess. Our destiny is hell and Your judgment. But with Him we will never face that. We will never face this life alone without Him by our side directing our every step lovingly, kindly, not for his own glory, but out of his goodness and kindness and faithfulness and mercy and justice to us. Lord, help us to see this and to come running under his care. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.